Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done only as he ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to what he would have me to speak to you, his sons and daughters. Let's use each and every episode to help us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room, which is racism in the body of Christ. For too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep this issue under the rug while pretending and acting as though it didn't exist. You can help and support this podcast through your love and prayers, and also by telling your families, friends, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server under this title. And remember, If for some reason you don't receive it through the uploads or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. This week's episode is entitled White Nationalism in the Church and the Body of Christ. I'm continually amazed as well as disappointed as to how pastors, leadership, and Christians refuse to be open to discussions on the issues of racism, bigotry, and white supremacy in the body of Christ. In areas of my research and study, I am continually seeing and hearing of people, Black, white, Asians, as well as Latinos, or leaving their predominantly white churches where they have been longtime members literally for years because the pastors and leadership refuse to deal with the elephant in the room. For some, I would think very few. Perhaps it's because they don't know how to handle it. But I don't see that as an acceptable excuse. When there's something in the church among the members that a pastor is not familiar with, he can always call on the bishop or whoever is over their denomination or presbytery for counsel and guidance. Proverbs tells us that there's wisdom in counsel. However, I'm sure that even when pastors have sought such counsel, for the majority of them in the white churches, they're being told to ignore it. Don't talk about it. Just sweep it under the rugs and keep quiet. Unfortunately, this has been the perception of many white churches throughout the years. And it's not just the churches, but every avenue used to promote what's referred to as Christianity throughout the world. But at the core of each of these avenues is white supremacy. Last week, I shared with you the videos with Dr. Kirk Franklin, Dr. Tony Evans, Robert Morris, and Matt Crouch of TBN talking about racism. Kirk Franklin stated that not once but twice his words and speeches were edited by TBN because of racism. TBN is one of the largest, if not the largest, Christian television networks in the United States and possibly the world. 
I would not doubt that of all their viewers, that at least 60 to 70% are Blacks and non-whites. Both of these incidents occurred during the Dove Awards when they were aired days later on the Christian Television Network. The first time in 2016, while addressing the killings of Orlando Castile and Walter Scott by police, and again in 2019, when asking for prayers for the family of Atiana Jefferson, who was also killed by police. Each airing was edited to cut out his speeches and comments concerning these three police killings of innocent people. In the words of Kirk Franklin, stop editing black and brown people out. There was a second video that I shared with Sandals Church having a conference on the same topic, racism, bigotry, and white supremacy in the body of Christ. If there is a true desire to address these topics, pastors can always have someone to come in and minister in the same way they have others come in with revivals and church conferences. If it's something that a church or body truly wants to deal with, a way can be found. However, it's obvious that not everyone or every church wants to sit down and discuss this issue that's dividing and separating Christians. Beginning in 2019, after the murders of so many black men and women, and after seeing the refusal of my church pastor and leadership to even acknowledge it, I felt compelled to leave. I heard the voice of God giving me the wisdom and just plain common sense to do just that. When I contacted my pastor of over 15 years to tell him that I was leaving the church because of racism, I wrote what was probably at least a full page to a page and a half letter explaining in detail my reasons for what I felt were not only unresolved issues of racism and bigotry in the church, but that these issues would not be discussed. What I got back in response was not even a complete sentence. There was never a question as to why or an invitation to come sit and talk about my decision to depart. That's not how racism in the body of Christ should be dealt with, nor is it the start of where we begin to deal with it. We deal with racism by discussing it not only in our churches, but in our homes. Not complaining about it, but discussing the wrongs of racism and what we individually can do about it. If someone is telling a racist joke, stop it if you can, or walk away and don't laugh. When discussing a different race, don't use demeaning or racist terminology, and don't allow it from others in your presence. Let it be known that you don't agree with it and you will not be a part of it. This can be done in a non-aggressive way. But either way, we must admit that racism is wrong and then talk about it. Talking about racism may very well make you and those around you feel uncomfortable. But if you truly care, you will continue to talk about it in spite of the discomfort it brings. If you're truly friends with someone, 
close to them, then you can discuss even the hardest matters with them in spite of the embarrassment or shame that comes with the discussion. Talk to others with the love of Christ, as well as with the boldness of the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost ministers to and through you, you can say things to them and they won't become offended, even when it's what some might determine to be an offensive matter. And remember, talking against racism is not the offense. It's racism that's the offense. As I recently heard someone say, and I quote, we see social injustice in the street, but only silence from the pulpits, end quote. We must stop being so oversensitive when it comes to dealing and talking about racial discrimination. I do not get offended if someone is talking about abortion, adultery, lying, stealing, or even racism. Why? Because I know I'm not a part of those things and I don't allow them to be a part of me. The things mentioned, I know I'm not guilty of and therefore I don't feel that I'm, in, I'm being accused when those matters are being discussed. Why should I feel guilty about abortion when I know I don't encourage, endorse, support, or defend abortions? It's the same way with lying, stealing, adultery, and many other matters that some may feel uncomfortable talking about. But those things are not a part of my life. Therefore, if a pastor or someone is talking about them, preaching against them from the pulpit, I don't become offended or resentful. If we put an end to racism in the church, we can end it in this nation. And it has to start by talking about it. We must stop looking at other races and just assuming that something's wrong with them, that they're less than and beneath us, that they're ignorant, drug addicts, and always ready to steal. Some years ago, I was at a Christian house meeting where I wasn't really well known. One of the white men there came to me and began to prophesy to me that my close relative who was in prison would soon be coming out. The thing is, I had no close relatives in prison. He assumed, because I'm a black woman, that I had to have a son, brother, father, or even a husband who was locked up. On another occasion, I was a member of a predominantly white church. One Sunday, a group of men from a nearby rehab center came in for the service. When they arrived, about 20 number in all, all of the men were black. One of the white members came to me and said, the Lord said that today you're going to meet your husband. I couldn't even answer him because there were so many levels of wrong on that statement. There were just too many issues that would have had to have been addressed through what he said to me. But it was all racist. No one else who heard those two men felt that anything bigoted had been said. They could see no racism in those statements. But let me say that because you don't recognize or see racism from your own viewpoint doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Do we see air, the oxygen that we breathe? Of course not. But yet 
as we know it's real and that it exists. So it is with racism. Again, some years ago, during an RA flare that I was experiencing, I was in severe pain. When my pressure was taken, they saw that it was highly elevated. I remember thinking at that time, with all that was going on and the pain that I was in, I didn't need to start dealing with high blood pressure. What I didn't know was that the pain in my body was affecting my blood pressure. As soon as the pain was relieved, my blood pressure went down. Severe pain in the body can and will cause blood pressure to increase. Because the body is all one, whatever happens to one part of it can and will affect other parts of it immensely. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 20, Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, they are many parts, but one body. Racism hurts. And if one part of the body hurts, it causes the entire body to suffer. Racism, white supremacy, bigotry, Semitism, all of these things hurt different parts of the body of Christ. And as stated earlier, when one part of the body hurts, the entire body hurts. You hear me say this again and again. It's Christians who are destroying Christianity. I walked away from the church, a building, and certain people. Unfortunately, there are many who are walking away from Christ. And many who are leaving are leaving because of racism. You don't want to be the person that someone else is looking for in hell because you're the reason they turn their back on salvation. As I heard someone say, and I quote, see where the mistakes are and become agents of change, end quote. We must continue to pray about as well as against racism and don't stop. We can't keep our convictions of the wrongs of racism hidden. We cannot be passive about racism. I heard someone say that for some churches, if Black, Hispanic, Asian, or any other non-white race were to begin to enter white churches in real numbers, the white members would begin to leave. This is why so many pastors and leaders will not address racism in their churches. To me, this says that obviously they care more about the money that comes into their pockets than the souls that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. This tends to explain why so many white churches are willing to give to overseas missions. 
It gives them a sense of comfort, knowing that those that they reach will never enter their church doors. I'm not a betting or gambling woman, but if I were, I'd be willing to bet that if white churches were, begin, were to begin to feel or believe that those that they give to through missions, specifically in Africa, would become members of their church, they would immediately cut off their funding. Through giving to missions, there's a self-righteousness that's fulfilled in the call of the Great Commission. They're willing to continue to give as long as they feel that those that they reach for Christ, reach for Christ will never cross the seal of their church doors. Pastors are more afraid of losing members than they are of losing the anointing of God. In order for the church to deal with and not be convicted by the sin of slavery during the time of slavery, Christians had to justify the sin and they did it through the word of God. They justified it by accepting it and even profiting from it. The Baptist church split the Southern from the Northern with the Southern Baptists breaking away because they didn't want to free their slaves. From that time on, the church has been used in white denominations, no matter what denomination it is, to promote white nationalism from the pulpits. The church has much to answer for when it comes to this great racial divide from the beginning of the Crusades until now. As one person put it, and I quote, American Christianity, theological core, has been thoroughly structured by an interest in protecting white supremacy, end quote. It was the church that began to politicize George Floyd's death. It was in the church that white pastors began to say that this man's murder was justified because he had a record and they found a small amount of drugs in his system. In actuality, George Floyd had suffered a back injury and became addicted to prescription pain medication the same way Nancy Reagan, the face of Just Say No, was also addicted. But that was okay because after all, remember, she was a white woman. In spite of seeing the video of Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes, the church would not acknowledge this as a racist act. The church has much to answer for, especially when it comes to bigotry. There was a prophet by the name of Micaiah who said to the false prophets of Ahab, mark my words. Will use that same expression. Mark my words. To paraphrase it just a bit differently, you can write this down what I'm saying. The white church, pastors, leaders, preachers, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, as they are today, will stand in judgment for not addressing the wrongs that are being perpetrated against other races in the body of Christ. They will stand in judgment for remaining quiet while other Christians, even non-Christians, are being oppressed because of their race, culture, and skin color. They will stand in judgment for literally lying from their pulpits, using the word of God to carry out white supremacy and racism. 
in Nehemiah 9. Nehemiah wrote of the oppression of his people. In the 32nd verse of that chapter, he wrote, Now therefore our God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. The hardship that has come on us, on our kings and leaders, on our priests and prophets, on our ancestors and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. Let me say to you today, sisters and brothers, whites and blacks, browns, Latinos, Asians, God is a God of covenant and he will not allow these matters to be trifling in his sight. I have been hearing over and over how there are those who are trying to justify the wrongs done to blacks through the word of God. They have used scriptures concerning the curse placed on the Canaanites because of Ham, the son of Noah. It's this type of teaching that's driving young black people from Christianity. If the word is to be taught, teach it correctly. Don't try to justify the wrongs of others through the erroneously taught word of God. If someone wants to teach about Ham and the Canaanites, which was even before the law, then they should also teach about Galatians 3.13, which was after the death of Christ and the shedding of his blood, which says, Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse, doom of the law, and his condemnation by himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. Teach it all and teach it correctly. When Jesus hung on the cross, it redeemed all from the curse. Years ago, when I was still a very young pastor and prophet, someone made an accusation against me. Rather than getting upset or angry, I simply responded, there are many things that I'm sure I'll stand in judgment for, but that, what you've accused me of, won't be one of them. The word says that it's given once to man to die, and then the judgment. Each and every one needs to stop, pause, and think. What are you willing to stand in judgment for? What are you willing to burn in hell for all eternity for? Stop, pause, and think about the fact that there are those who are literally using the pulpit and the Bible to lie. The word of God is being used to lie and promote white supremacy. One final fact. It's said that of all white supremacists, such as the KKK, the Proud Boys, and others, 90% of them consider themselves as Christians. It really makes you wonder who you're sitting next to in church. Selah. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. 
Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.